welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Good morning everyone. Wonderful to be uh, with you this morning. Thank you to the team for uh, leading us so uh, beautifully in worship there. Wonderful uh, time just to acknowledge the reason why we gather every time the church is together we uh, declare the bible tells us the the coming the resurrection of jesus christ so it's it's a big moment whenever we're together and and god is with us which is great it is uh, delightful to be with you this morning here at uh, this church I, I think it's the third time i've spoken here caleb and i were swapping some notes last night trying to work that out and uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. I'd love to just begin by commending your pastors to you, Caleb and Kerry. We were also trying to work out uh, uh, how long they'd been leading this church and uh, I think we worked out in the end that Caleb had been on staff here for over 11 years and had been the lead pastor for 10 years and uh, my pastor uh, says that uh, a lead pastor doesn't become fully effective until they've been leading a church for 5 to 10 years. So congratulations, Caleb, your apprenticeship's finished. Uh, you're also eligible for long service leave. Yep, give him a round of applause. He's made it. But uh, uh, when a pastor uh, and certainly his family give a gift of longevity to their church, it's priceless. Now, there are lots of reasons why people leave leadership, uh, but uh, when they're able to persist for a decade, uh, I just think that's a great gift. So... Uh, Thank you, Caleb and Kerry. It is a pleasure to be your uh, colleagues uh, in ministry for Judy and myself and, uh, yeah, delightful to be invited here again. Um, Some of you know me a little bit. Uh, My current Monday to Friday existence is at Schools Ministry Group. Uh, I'm one of the regional managers there looking after a group of pastoral care workers in in our government schools. Uh, I'm not the regional manager for this region, that's another CRC pastor, Phil Bryce, uh, who who works here, but uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be involved there, and uh, outside of that, I'm one of the pastors at the Christian Family Centre at Seton, uh, part of the team there, and uh, yeah, Judy and I have been there since the start of 1997, uh, when we first arrived, and I think I've been on the team there since 2005, so Yeah, it's wonderful to be here with you. Wyala is a special place for me. Uh, My mum grew up here. Uh, My dad moved here in the early 60s to uh, do a traineeship with BHP. They met. And on January the 8th, 1966, they were married in Peter Street Methodist, uh, which is now, I think, called Wyala Uniting. Uh, Still there. I went and had a look at it last time I was in Wyala. And... Nine months, three weeks, and two days later, I was born here in Wyala. So I was a honeymoon baby and uh, uh, didn't, didn't stay for too long at that time. But uh, uh, I also remembered that uh, just short of my first birthday, my pop, Jim, was uh, at work as a, a carpenter on the shipyards here in Wyala and had a heart attack and died at work age 48 just before I was one, and uh, his body was buried here in the Wyala Cemetery. My nan, Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Rouse, uh, lived as a widow for 39 years, 
until she uh, went to be with Jesus at 84 and was buried with my pop here in the Wyala Cemetery. So, yeah, very special place for us and, uh, and love being here. And, uh, yeah, it feels pretty, pretty good to be in the place of my birth. So, there you go. Disappointment, despair and defeat. What a way to begin a sermon. Has ever, you've, you know, the air's just gone out of the room. A couple of people are ready to leave. What is this about? No, that's right, that's right. That'd be a shame to end on that. Well, there you have it, folks. Disappointment, despair and defeat. Good night. Okay. Is there anything more disillusioning than disappointment, despair and defeat? I wonder. Uh, this year, and in fact the past couple of years now, uh, has thrown up its fair share of uh, each of those and in most cases they've come unexpectedly for people in business or, or whatever it might be, personal health. Uh, but uh, I want to suggest and turn the corner fairly quickly that when each of those comes along, disappointment, despair and defeat, there is a question posed to us exactly at that point in time. What now? And what next? How are we going to respond to those three? And uh, I really want to just say at the outset, uh, they're not all of them, but I believe that by you being here this morning, God's brought you into that place and that this could be a moment where you can think about that disappointment, despair or defeat in your life differently, that, that you can take a different look. And even if you're not a person, if, you've, if you're standing here and say, Pastor, I've never suffered any of those, I'd say congratulations on reaching your fifth birthday. <laughs> How long have you been alive? Uh, but, uh, and I don't want to say, hang in there, it's just around there. I don't want to speak that over you. But the fact is that life does have its disappointments. And anyone who's been alive for 10 years uh, would know that uh, that's true. They come to all of us and Folks, I want to let you know, in case you haven't realised, they come to us whether we are people of faith, whether we call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus or not, we each experience disappointment, despair and defeat. They, they are actually part of existing on this earth. So uh, the question then, as I said, is what we do in response to that. What now and what next? And I want to suggest that the way that we respond to disappointment, despair and defeat uh, is actually fundamental to how we live our life. Because if those three become roadblocks or stumbling blocks for us, then that just affects the way we get up every day. Uh, you know, we, 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 we get out, out of bed and the way that we've processed disappointment, despair and defeat affects the way that we look upon the 24 hours that are going to come. So it's important to reflect upon that issue and how we've responded to that. Today we're going to look at the story of a woman called Naomi uh, who had her, in fact, uh, Naomi uh, had to deal with the death of her husband but also the death of her two sons, uh, much like uh, my dear old Nan uh, who uh, navigated 39 years on her own, quite frankly, I'd say magnificently uh, considering, thinking back, uh, and Naomi also had to process that but also... Uh, the death of her or anything of that nature, uh, but simply re read about her story in the book of Ruth. And for those of you who know your Bible well, the book of Ruth is called Ruth because it focuses a lot on her story. She was one of Naomi's uh, daughters-in-law, uh, but uh, 
we actually get a good picture of Naomi's story as well in that book and it's hers that we're focusing on. These three family deaths occurred after the whole family of Naomi were forced to leave their homeland and go to another land because of famine. So uh, those of you who've had to shift countries because of you know, persecution or difficulty would, would identify with that story where Naomi was forced out and then in the land of hope, you might have thought, instead came more pain and more disappointment, despair and defeat. Now the interesting thing uh, about Naomi, I'm going to pull this up just a bit, sorry Caleb, because I think I'm getting old mate and my eyes are starting, there you go, that's it, that's perfect, beautiful, thank you. You're a lead pastor and an adjuster of music stands. Good man. Good man. (laughs) Right. Now, here's the thing about Naomi. Naomi's not not only a person who's experienced disappointment, despair and defeat, but she declares it openly in the Bible, which I reckon is pretty dramatic. She just lets it all out. And and in fact, she, she states clearly, This has made me bitter. She just says, it's made me bitter. However, she is still taking actions of faith. She's still making decisions in her life of faith while she's bitter. Now, I don't know how long you've been around the church, but you might instantly be wondering, is it possible for a person to have faith in Jesus Christ and be bitter? Interesting question, isn't it? Now, I'm not sure what your answer is. Are you ready for my answer? My answer is yes and no. What a cop out. You've, you've paid all this money for me to be... I'm just kidding. Uh, what, what kind of an answer is that? Well, let me explain. It's a, it's a serious answer. So, firstly, yes, in the sense that, as I said earlier, it doesn't matter the level of our faith in Jesus Christ. We meet moments in life which don't go the way we wanted or expected, which disappoint us and cause us to despair and can be so dramatic at times that we can become bitter about them. So I want to suggest it is possible to have faith in Jesus Christ and to be bitter, but hang on a minute, here's the no. You can't stay there. Because eventually, despair, you could say, or or defeat, or disappointment does turn to despair, it can come to bitterness, and if you do not move on from there, your life becomes as if you didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. You might still call yourself a believer, you might still be a Christian, but your bitterness can overwhelm you if you reside so long in that space that it becomes as if you didn't have faith. So no, you can't remain there, but yes, it's part of life, all right? Now, Naomi's a great example of this, and it's actually uh, a faith that leads her to have a breakthrough in her experience, all right? She actually gets through it. And that's the challenge that we're all invited to face today, despite disappointments, despair, perhaps even deaths. Perhaps even you're well aware of the experience of Naomi and my nan about having death in your life unexpectedly at the, at the wrong time. And, and, and you need to actually reflect on that today, about how you've responded to that. Uh, the question is, are you going to continue to believe in Jesus or even begin to believe in Jesus that there is a good God 
who does work together in all of your circumstances for your good and is able to do that uh, and outwork his favour in your life. So that's, that's the question. Do you believe that? Will you believe it? How you respond? How are we going so far, folks? Now, let's see. Oh, it's up there. It worked. This is good. I reckon this is going to be okay. Now, I'm going to read through some of the opening verses from Ruth chapter 1, just to paint the picture of where Naomi's at, all right? So work with me. I'm jumping around a little bit, but you're going to see it all up on the screen, and you can follow along. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So they left because of a famine. They experienced this death, these deaths in the family. They hear now there's now food back in Israel. They're going to go home. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. Ooh. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud and said to her, we, we will go back with you to your people. That's what the daughters said. No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Now, I'm amazed this is in the Bible. In fact, if I was writing my Bible, I'd say, sorry, we're not going to print that. But Naomi is allowed to express on four occasions that God is responsible, she says, for the things that have gone wrong in her life. And she not only declares it, but says, I'm actually going to change my name. Naomi means sweetness and call me Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew. And I'm amazed really that this is there, but I think it's there for a reason. It's interesting that God uh, is certainly mentioned throughout the book of Ruth, but uh, he is, does not speak anywhere in that story. doesn't say anything. He's talked about this and that. And if you look at the situation of Naomi and the way she's talking, we would normally say, Naomi, don't speak that over yourself. Don't say that about your circumstances and whatever you do, don't change your name from sweetness to bitterness. But she's so profoundly been affected that it's not that she's lost her faith in God, it's that she's grappling with the goodness of God, that she's arguing and suggesting and she wants to tell people, it's God who's put me in this position. And God allows her to say that. And you might be a person who's disappointed, defeated, despairing or bitter. But sharing that, is, there's no ban on that in church. You're able to express that. But the question then is, what now and what next? What do you do with that? I put up on the screen here uh, a continuum and I want to ask you a question. Most of us, as I said, disappointments uh, occur. But if we hang on to certain disappointments... 
they can turn to despair. And if we hang on to despair, it can become bitterness. And I want to ask every single person just to look at, I call it a continuum, and just to think about for a moment where you might be on this continuum. Could you say, Pastor, I'm a disappointed person. I've got these disappointments and I can name them for you if you like. Naomi can. Or maybe you've gone on beyond that and you're in despair. These disappointments have occurred and, you know, you just, you don't think you're going to get over them and you're in that place. And maybe you've gone on beyond that and you're bitter against people or against God about these things that have gone wrong. Maybe you can point to yourself somewhere on this continuum. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you might be up there, I want to suggest and ask, maybe request or encourage that God would like to move you either backwards or perhaps more accurately through it. Because there's something better than those three for you on the other side. Is that okay to allow for that? Just allow for that possibility. You can move through that today. All right. Philip Yancey once wrote a book called Disappointment with God. That's a pretty bold title, isn't it? Disappointment with God. He was asked in the lead up to that book being published, is there anything worse than disappointment with God? And he said, yes, disappointment without God. It's a good answer because I tell you what, you might be disappointed with God, but at least you've got someone to complain to. At least you've got someone to talk about it. At least you've got someone to interact with. Naomi is bitter, but she's still interacting with God, even though he gets the blame for it. She's not on her own. And neither are you, even if you're in that space of disappointment, despair or bitterness, you're not on your own when you're a follower of Jesus. You've got disappointment, but it's disappointment in the presence of God. You can interact with him. Now, this is an interesting process as it happens to from here. Naomi's life begins to turn around because of the faithfulness of God, but watch this, because of the faithfulness of two people in her life, Ruth and Boaz. So I want to just flag for you very early on in this. You might be a disappointed person, but you've still got God, and I pray by God's grace you've still got someone faithful in your life because it's through Ruth and Boaz acting faithfully in Naomi's life that she gets through this all right so I want you to be encouraged by that let's take a look so after Naomi has said you girls you've done enough for me you go home I'm going back to bitter place I'm going home you know there's nothing for you there I can't offer you any more help we're you know all our husbands are dead you go back I'm you stay here I'm going back home Ruth says this, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Now, for those of you who know your scriptures, that's a famous proclamation in scripture. But think about this. Naomi, I want to suggest at this moment in time, may not be a super pleasant person to be around. 
she's a bitter person. And all of us know, I think, uh, what it means to be around a bitter person at some stage in our life. Can we be honest? It's hard work, isn't it? It's hard work. But, and, and so, but Ruth, she could have said, man, what a relief. <laughs> See you later. See you later, bitter person. I'm staying here. But instead, she pledges her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. She's effectively saying, whatever you might think is the reason for what's happened to us, I'm sticking with you. And not only that, Naomi has criticised her God, but Ruth has declared her willingness to embrace the God of Naomi. And how we all need a faithful person in our life, especially when we're disappointed, especially when we're despairing, especially when we're bitter. And I'm going to actually just pause for a minute and I want you to think about a faithful person in your life. And, and maybe it's someone who stuck with you when times were bad. Maybe it's someone who stuck with you uh, when you were disappointed and despairing. Maybe it's someone in the past. Maybe it's someone in the present. Maybe they're here at this church. Maybe they're not. I just want you to think about them for a minute. I just want you to give thanks for him for a minute. Can you do that? Who's that person who's stuck with you when you've been in a bad place? Maybe they're doing it for you right now. And I, and I just want to lay this out for a minute. It's hard sometimes for people to do that for us when we're bitter. And we need to give them a break. We need to actually, if you can think of that person, I want you to make a plan to thank them when you see them next. might be after church. I want you to say, I oh, thank you for hanging in there with me because I know I've been tough to be around at some stage. All right? Here's another one. Who can you be a faithful person for right now? Can you think of a person in your life that is really doing it tough and, and is, you know, hard work? And maybe you need to be a Ruth for them right now. Maybe you need to hang in there with them. Pray for them. Commit your self to sticking with them through this time not not run away or, or turn for home but to stick with them heavy thoughts aren't they but we need Ruth in our life <laughs> I've got a Ruth I call her Judy uh, 31 years that's that's t- that's tough uh, 31 10 anyway it's a long time isn't it 31 years what a go yeah I've, you need a Ruth but folks you need to be Ruth for someone as well now here's a funny thing this this is you might be thinking, Pastor, I wish I had a faithful person in my life. I don't know if I have. Well, here's my advice. Go and find someone. Now, you're thinking, that's a bit cheap. How do you do that? Well, here's an interesting thought. I remember when I arrived at the Christian families and I'd been through a tough time in my faith and I was despairing. I was in despair about my ability to be a follower of Jesus. Really was. And got to the church and... You know, I'm just thinking, Lord, what, what was I thinking when I said yes to Jesus? A 17-year-old, was I just off the planet? Are you there? You know, can I do this? Is it possible to be a, a Christian who's effective? And I remember thinking to myself, well, at least I can drive. You, you know about the chapter in the Bible that talks about the importance of driving? You've seen that? It's not in there. But the reason I thought, I thought, you know, I might be all of these things, but I can get in my car every Sunday morning and I can drive myself to the Christian Family Centre at Seaton. And each of you have done that today. And I, I don't know whether you think about this, but coming here this morning was an act of faith. 
I mean, you did it for some reason. You must have believed something was going to happen positive about it. And I just thought, you know, I can, we can go, I can get my family can get together, we can drive to church, we can do that much. And when you put yourself in the position of worship, of praising God, and being surrounded by the people of God, you are in the position to receive a Ruth ministry. Because you're here in the fellowship of God and someone can speak a positive word to you or a word of faith or a word of prophecy or something. So don't think that you can't find a faithful person. You're in a good place already for that to happen. All right? So be encouraged by that today. All right. Let's talk about initiative. This is what I mean by this is action of faith. Naomi takes the initiative by going home because she's heard about the saving power of God, right? So she says, let's go towards the saving activity of God. Good move. Bit of person, but moves towards the activity of God. That's a good start. Then Ruth takes the initiative, and so they're back in Israel, and Ruth says, I'm going to go out and do some gleaning. Now, I don't know if your kids have said lately to you, I'm going to go out gleaning. Has anyone said that to you? It hasn't happened for a while. I don't know if it still do it. But gleaning was the social service of the day. People of Israel were instructed not to harvest up to the edge, so they had to turn the harvester back before they got to the edge. And poor people could go into the edges and take grain for themselves, usually just to feed themselves, sometimes to sell it. And so Ruth says, well, I'm going I'm to take an action. So Ruth believes this is worth it, right? I'm going to do something. She chooses a field of a man called Boaz who just happens to be a wealthy relative of Naomi's and who knows the kindness that Ruth has showed her mother-in-law. And this is what Boaz says. He says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done, Ruth. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So notice that Ruth makes a commitment to Naomi... But in doing so, she earns the favour and blessing of God via his servant Boaz. Boaz invokes a special phrase containing the words wings and refuge and they appear four times together in the Bible, all of them in the Psalms and here's just an example of one of them in Psalm 36 verse 7. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. What a, what a beautiful picture of that sense of the covering of the mother bird and giving shelter and protection to those under her care. So uh, Ruth blesses Naomi with her commitment, but then Boaz blesses Ruth with favour for her dedication and then Naomi pronounces a blessing on Boaz. Do you see what's happening here? There's bitterness, death and despair but there's still faith to do the right thing or to walk in the favour of God. And as each of these people commit to doing that, Ruth does it, she gets blessed, then Boaz does it and Naomi blesses him. Mrs Bitter, all of a sudden, is singing a different song. Interesting, this is what she says. The Lord bless him. That's a great way to start. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. 
You know, I reckon it's possible sometimes to be so bitter in life you cannot see any good in anyone. I hope that's never happened to you, but sometimes it does. But Ruth has had trauma in her life, but she looks at Boaz and she said, the Lord bless him, that is a kind, faithful man. And he has shown kindness. And because she opens herself up to the possibility of kindness, she begins to receive favour. Guardian redeemer is a, uh, an ancient word. We don't really have anything like that today. Uh, it's a legal term for one who has an obligation to redeem a relative in serious difficulty. We don't sort of have a legal responsibility for that today. There are some legal requirements for husbands and wives and other re- relationships, but I like the idea of a relative who is bound to help out a family member. I think most of us would expect that or rely on that, but we shouldn't take it for granted, should we? But Boaz, he's got a role to play in this, all right? Do you have a guardian redeemer? There's a song that says, there is a redeemer. I want to talk to you a bit later about your guardian redeemer. So there's three things that I want to make today and three points I want to encourage everyone here today to just reflect about, can I, can I say this in church? What's coming out of your gob? What's your language like at the moment? Is it bitter language or is it faith-filled language? Naomi's had a moment, but she's still got enough inside of her to say, that's a faithful guy. And I want to encourage you today to be able to say that's a faithful person and not only that that's a faithful God we need to be speaking well over ourselves others our circumstances and even God himself we need to be speaking well we know this because Ephesians 4 29 says do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen so um, most people use this scripture for their kids to tell them to stop swearing. <laughs> but to be honest, it's, it, I mean, it's probably helpful in that regard. Um, but it's, that's actually not the, probably the centre of this. It's unwholesome talk is just stuff that doesn't help people, right? Stuff that destroys people and us. Instead, let stuff come out that builds people up. Say thankful to your Ruth in your life. Uh, speak well over your circumstances, acknowledge the goodness done by others, let that praise, let that talk flow. Don't curse yourself and your circumstances in your life, but speak favour over yourself and others in acknowledgement of the goodness of God. Is everyone okay with that? Watch your language. Watch your language. Here's the second one. Take action based on faith. All right? I reckon action that's not based on faith is, I'm disappointed, so I'm disconnecting from church. I've had it, right? That's not faith. But faith is, you know, I'm disappointed. In fact, I think I'm bitter. I feel defeated, but I'm still going to stick with the people of God. I'm not going to depart from church. I'm going to hang in there. That's faith, even though your circumstances are challenging you and testing you. I'm not going to quit reading the scriptures. I'm not going to stop praying even though I struggle for words at time. I'm going to keep 
moving towards the living, loving God. I want to encourage all of you today to do that. It's got to be a good sign that you're here, but I reckon some of you might be sitting there, maybe you've got your fists clenched, and maybe you're screwing your face up, maybe you're thinking, why is this happening? Why did that happen? And I'm, and I'm just challenging you, inviting you today to just step back, open up, continue to express faith. Naomi, Naomi's bitter, but she moves back to the saving of God in God's homeland. She doesn't say, I'm just staying here in Moab. I'm staying here in Disappointmentville. I'm going back to where God's moving. And one of the ways we do that is when we come to church every week. I reckon that's an expression of faith. There are others. It's pretty simple, folks. It says in Hebrews 11:6, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that's a good start, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The favour of God is found when we say God is there and God cares. God is there and God cares. Can you confess to that? You believe that and agree with that? That's an expression of faith. And therefore, I'm going to move in the pathways that God has mapped out for me. Third one, believe in a good God. It says in Psalm 1459, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. It's true that God grants special favour to his people who've said yes to Jesus and are in his family and that he works with them, they have his Holy Spirit, he's able to minister to them in a special way. But Psalm 145 is emphatic. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. God's mercy, grace and goodness can be experienced by other one. Jesus himself told us that God sends the rain on the righteous and as well as the wicked that we all benefit just by being alive from the favour of God. So sometimes circumstances in our lives test our belief and our commitment to the idea that God is good. And we need to hold firm. We sang about God's goodness this morning. We need to hold firm and hold closely to the fact that God is a good God. And I just feel for a sense, I asked you a few moments ago to think about a Ruth in your life or to think about someone that you could be faithful for as they go through a difficult time. And I just want you to resolve in your heart this morning, God is good. I reckon one of the key attacks of the enemy is to come at us with the idea that God can't be trusted, that God is not good. And we don't talk about it a lot at church, But can we agree just together right now? We reject those thoughts. We reject that. Get out of here, enemy. This is a church of the good God, right? God's committed and does good to all. He's he's committed to you. Whatever's happened in your circumstances, God is for you and shows his favour to you. I want you to agree with that. Believe in a good God. Take action and based on faith and watch your language. That's your three take-homes. I'll be asking questions afterwards. Okay, let's check where we go to next. In chapter 3, it's Naomi and Ruth who now take the initiative. So we've had all these people acting in faith, and then Naomi and Ruth gang up together, and they say, okay, they come up with a plan 
that sees Ruth declaring herself available and willing to be married by Boaz. All right, that's a brief summary of it. Then it's Boaz who takes the initiative. He clears the way for himself to purchase some land that Naomi owns and to marry Ruth, thus ensuring the financial future of both women. This is what it says. So Boaz then takes Ruth and she becomes his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Naomi and Ruth take the initiative. Boaz takes the initiative. God then takes the initiative and enables Ruth to conceive. At the start of the story, God is aiding his people by providing food for them and now the Lord enables Ruth to conceive, providing in that one act for her, for Boaz, for Naomi and for the entire world in that one child. Let me explain. Ruth's son was named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who is the ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the good news for you today is that you do have a guardian redeemer and his name is Jesus Christ. And he cared about your situation so much, even before you were born, that he gave up his life, that he gave up his good life in heaven and came down and died so you could know the living God, so that you would not have to live in disappointment, defeat, despair and bitterness. Jesus himself rescues you from those things. So you might read that story and say, gee, I wish I had a Ruth, I wish I had a Boaz. Well, you do. And he cares about you enough not to let you stay in that place of disappointment, not to let you stay in that place. And I believe that he wants to minister to you today, to lift that from you and to now allow you to step into the place where you understand him and know him as the good God. It says... In Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. That means crucified as Jesus was. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Gentiles are everyone who's not a Jew. If you're a Jew here this morning, I apologize, but I'm just assuming that's all of us. We were not even in at that stage, the promise and the plan of God. But Jesus wanted everyone to step into that place, everyone to come into that space. And that includes you as you sit here this morning. Just before we pray, in fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and then I'm just going to ask you to, 
think about some things as we close this message today. Let's just pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for the example and the story of Naomi. Lord, we thank you that even though she was a bitter person, she still had faith in you and she still was willing to act on it, to move towards you and your saving grace. And Lord, we also thank you that she had in her life a Ruth, someone who stuck firm even while she was struggling, even while she was frustrated by the events of her life, she had someone who clung on to her. And Lord, I thank you for every single person here today who's been that for someone else. And Lord, I thank you for those who are thinking at the moment that they need to do it for someone or that they've received that ministry from someone else. Lord, may we acknowledge them in this week to come. May we declare and thank them for their faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for the example of Boaz, a man of means who took his responsibilities seriously and acted for the benefit of both Ruth and Naomi. Lord, help us to be that person. Father, I also want to thank you for every single person here today who's placed their faith and their trust in you, who has looked to you as Lord and Saviour. And if they're not in that space, Lord, I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt they have a guardian redeemer. There is someone. His name is Jesus. You, Lord, would do it for them, would reach out and rescue them. We thank you for these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the team to come to the front and to lead us in a song, but I want to just give you some things uh, to think about and maybe to commit yourself to action on. Here are three things. Firstly, I want to say, don't let disappointment or turn to despair and then to bitterness. Don't do that. If you are a disappointed person, make a decision today that you're going to hand it over to Jesus and let him take you from this place and from that space. Decide to continue to believe in a good God who cares for you and who redeems your circumstances. Second, if you are bound in disappointment and despair, take some action that is based on faith in Jesus. Do something that is based in faith and not in disappointment. You could say, turn your disappointment into a decision. What does that look like for you? Thirdly, start speaking well over yourself and others and your circumstances. And if you don't know what that means or what it looks like, I I encourage you to cheat. You ready? Here it is. Just read this. All right? Try Psalm 103. Let's do it right now. I've I've got this going. Kerry said I could go free form. I'm going to read this over you. This is great. Now I've got to find it. This is for everyone in this room. This is good. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you 
with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are like dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. His righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let's agree with that today. As the team leads us, why don't we just worship together the good God who loves us. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.